Hello and welcome to episode number 502 of Holy Crap It Sports. I'm Pete Davis, your host. It is a gorgeous Friday. Halloween weekend starts today, October 28, 2022, here at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center and Laundromat. Uh, by the way, I actually sat down yesterday and set up a Venmo account. I don't know why I waited this long to do it. I tried to set one up uh, for the Kimmer Show, and we're having a little trouble getting that through right now it's a, you know it's a little convoluted to try and set it up but i managed to get uh, holy crap at sports in there so uh later on today i'll put a little qr code on there so if you think this show is worth uh, supporting a little bit and you want an easier way maybe than patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n look up holy crap at sports if you want an easier way than patreon and be able to do it whenever you feel like uh you can just Put your phone up to that QR code, and it'll direct you right to where you need to go. It's very simple. Or you can just go on Venmo and look it up. It's uh, capital letters H-C-I-S-225. Anyway, you want to follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis one If you want to, what else? Get a T-shirt. Holy Crap and Sports T-shirts or, you know, Drink Up Shriner T-shirt, whatever you want. They can do it at farmhouseprintingco.com, located right here in Sonoya, Georgia. Just go right there, farmhouseprintingco.com, and they can do all your printing needs. You know, you want a billboard, you want, if you want shirts or tumblers, coffee cups, whatever you need, business cards, placards, pamphlets, whatever, they can do it for you. If you uh, fancy yourself the new Thomas Paine and you've written a new Common Sense, well, by golly, they'll print it for you. So check it out, farmhouseprintingco.com. And uh, yeah, and to write me a letter with any uh, queries or questions, uh, what the hell's my name? Yeah, PeteDavis1 at yahoo.com. Anyway, okay, it's early Friday morning. I didn't get a lot of sleep, so cut me some slack. Uh, speaking of someone who probably hadn't gotten a lot of sleep, Tom Brady. Boy, does he look old. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, too. Headlines for Friday, October 28th of 2022. Well, it is Halloween weekend starting at uh, it's Monday night, and this is Friday, so be prepared for all kinds of craziness for the next three days. The World Series finally begins tonight. World Series. I vaguely remember something like that. It's attached to baseball, isn't it? They haven't played in six weeks, I don't believe. Uh, and by the way, of course, we can't have anything nice unless it is made into a racial issue. And yes, the World Series has been made into a racial issue. Braves have five finalists in the Silver Slugger Awards, and we have a Brave as Rookie of the Year for one publication at least. And they tried to trade an outfielder for a lefty starter during the season. They tried to trade Ozuna. Hmm. Someone put Oregon quarterback Bo Nix in concussion protocol. The boy is obviously wrong in the head. He's taking too many blows. Uh, feeling nostalgic for those uh, torn down Tennessee goalposts after they beat Alabama? Well, Google can help you find them. Auburn coach Brian Harson says he loves Halloween, and I'll tell you why. And a big-time five-star recruit turns his back on the Southeastern Conference. Arch Manning has made a big decision about going to Texas. An SEC legend says his grandson will never play football, and the Falcons may have injured a star player of the Bengals. And speaking of injuries, the NFL may have to look at their artificial grass problem, but knowing them, they'll ignore it like they did the concussions for decades. But there's a growing concern that this – this is tearing up the knees of some of their star players. we got Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays, all kinds of good stuff coming up for you in the next hour or close to it. So let's get started. What are we drinking today, boys? Hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> well, I'm going to lie to you. 
I got a good friend named Jim Slight. Well, that's not the lie. He, he's a good friend, uh, Jim Slight, and uh, he likes to travel around the country. He works for an airline, and he likes to try ciders, alcoholic ciders around the country, and he's a connoisseur of these things. So we'll drink a, since it's Halloween and fall, we'll do an apple cider today, but I love apples. I love applesauce. I love uh, apple pie. I love strudels. I love the whole thing except cider. I cannot abide s- cider. Anyway, the uh, World Series. Remember that little old thing? Finally gets under. Excuse me. That little pop tart barking back. Uh, the World Series gets underway tonight in Houston. The roof will be closed. I don't know if they're having inclement weather. Probably Astros try to get their second title. Philly going for their third, I believe. Nineteen eighty. 2008, those are the only two I can remember. Uh, Justin Verlander, supposedly against Aaron Nola. Ironically, the last time the Strohs lost was to Nola and the Phils in Houston. And uh, by the way, Verlander, a free agent? How can they not be thinking about re-signing him? The guy should be the Cy Young Award winner in the AL. He was, what, 18-4? and four? And his ERA was minuscule. I love saying that, minuscule. Uh, Mark Bowman of MLB.com, who covers the Braves, says the Braves tried to trade Marcelo Zuna during the season. A lot of people were calling for that. Uh, they've gotten very little from him uh, on the field since he signed a big four-year extension for, for the 2021 season. And off the field, he made the situation worse several times. Run-ins with the police and all kinds of stuff. The Braves did try to move him at the trade deadline, though. Supposedly, they wanted to trade him to the Nationals for left-handed pitcher Patrick Corbin. Hmm. So here's what they can do now. If they can't find a suitable bad contract swap like the Corbin one would have been, they could keep Ozuna or they could let him go and just eat the $37 million owed him over the next two seasons. Well, that's a lot of money to eat. And he showed flashes this year. If he can just stay out of trouble and not be injured and focus on baseball, the guy can hit. He just can't play in the field anymore. Uh, He's got two more, we say, but but there's a $1 million buyout after the third season. They're probably going to wait for that. Uh, Corbin, by the way, had two seasons remaining on his big six-year $140 million that he signed before the 2019 season. So he still owed around $59 million. Huh. No reason why the proposal fell through, uh, but I guess probably better off not putting uh, that extra money because Corbin's deal is more. That showed how much they probably wanted to get rid of Ozuna. They were going to take on more money. Amazing. Uh, since signing his extension, Marcelo Ozuna, here's his slash line. 222, 278, 397, 30 home runs. That's averaging 15 in the two seasons. And, of course, Patrick Corbin helped the Nats win the series back in 2019. But since then, his ERA is 5.82. Uh, and you watched him pitch against the Braves this season. He's washed up. But maybe he could resurrect him. No, he's washed up. Uh, let's see. Spencer Strider is the National League Rookie of the Year. If you read the sporting news, the right-hander edged out teammate Michael Harris. See, I have that flipped. I think Michael Harris, for most of the season, is the rookie of the year. Spencer Strider could be co-rookie of the year. i got no problems with that. Just I have no problem with the uh, American League uh, MVP being split between Judge and Shohei. Even though Judge is really the more valuable of the two to a team, 
uh, at least right now. Harris is the favorite to take home the sports writer's honor next month, but Strider could make things interesting because he eclipsed the 200 strikeout mark faster than any pitcher in history, finished with 202, and of course he had that oblique injury at the final weeks of the season, which probably led to a not-so-great start against the Phillies. And he solidified the, the rotation when he came up here in late May. Uh, was going to do bullpen, but they made him a starter. And I still think his future should be. And if this oblique thing keeps going, I'd put him in the bullpen. But still, that's just me. And, of course, they locked him up to a six-year, $75 million extension. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. So he's got a very good future ahead of him. And I'm going to do a knock on wood here. Hold on a second. Once again, hoping that is wood. So we got that going for us. All right, what else is going here? Let's see. I spilled my notes all over everything. I bet you heard that. Uh, Braves have five finalists for the Silver Slugger Award, the best hitter at each position. And here's the competition. At first base, you got Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman. That sounds familiar. Pete Alonzo, Christian Walker of Arizona, and Matt Olson. All right. Uh, Goldschmidt and Freeman dominated the field in recent years. They've combined for seven NL Silver Slugger Awards, including each of the past five. Uh, Goldie, uh, also a leading contender for the MVP, <clears throat> now has a shot at his fifth Silver Slugger Award, which would break a tie with Todd Helton and Albert Pujols for the most by any first baseman in the history of the award, which goes back all the way to 1980. Ooh, the halcyon days. Mm. Oh, this cider's bad. And I'm, I bet cider, I'm, I'm drinking water. I bet this cider dries your throat, too. Probably dries your throat up. Third base Silver Slugger Award. You got uh, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Justin Turner, and Austin Riley. Hmm. Isn't the only award Machado and Arenado might be battling out for? They're also top candidates for the MVP. Uh, the two posted extremely similar numbers this season. Arenado's slash line was 293, 358, 533. 30 homers and 103 ribbies. Machado slash line, 298, 366, and 531, with 32 homers and 102 RBIs. So that's about as close as it gets. Arenado's four silver sluggers are tied for third most all-time at third base. Machado is also a previous winner back in 2020, but it's Riley who is actually the reigning winner here. He also led the National League with 325 total bases, so this could be more than a two-man race. Uh, shortstop, we got Trey Turner, Willie Adamas, Adams, I, don't, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. He plays for the Brewers. He's pretty good, though. Willie Adamas, I think. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Dansby Swanson. This quartet includes two of this offseason's most notable pending free agents in Turner and Swanson. Uh, even either of them uh, could help his resume with his first career Silver Slugger Award. Turner tied for the NL lead and played appearances, whoop-dee-doo, and filled up the stat sheet. 39 doubles, 21 homers, 100 RBIs, 27 steals, and 101 runs scored. Swanson played in all 162 games, which he should not have, and posted the best offensive season of his career at a 115 OPS+. plus. But you got uh, Lindor as well as the underrated Adamas. So Adamas at 31 homers and 98 RBIs. In the outfield, you got Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, Starling Marte, Jock Peterson, Brian Reynolds, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Nimmo, and Michael Harris II. Betts has already won four of these, three in the AL, one in the NL a couple years ago. He'd be the 13th outfielder to win at least five 
Soto, a contender for his third straight award. His numbers might not seem to be the usual lofty standards. Uh, among a strong group of challengers are Schwarber, the NL home run leader at 46, Harris, the potential NL rookie of the year, and the Mets pair of Marte and Nemo. So, by the way, uh, let's see, Nemo is one of the uh, free agent outfielders this winter. And catcher, we got Will Smith, JT Realmuto, uh, Wilson Contreras, and for the Braves, Travis Darno. Real Muto won the award in 2018 and 19. Darno followed in 20. Uh, Real Muto finished the season on a tear to help lift the Phillies into the postseason. Only the second catcher with at least 20 homers and 20 steals in the same year. Uh, of course, Darno made his first All-Star team at age 33, a career-high 18 homers, and you know he split a lot of time with uh, William Contreras. Uh, Smith had produced at the plate for the Dodgers for several years now, so we could have a lot of competition there. But there's your, hopefully, the Silver Slugger Awards coming up for the Braves. So let's switch to college football. going to take a more cider here. <laughs> Good old cider. College football news. The season opened up with the Ducks. Remember this, getting spanked by Georgia. But now Oregon quarterback Bo Nix says things would be different. Mm. Of course, the first game ended in a 49-3 romp by the Dogs in the Bins. Knicks completed 21 of 37 passes for just 173 yards. He threw two interceptions and zero touchdowns, which, by the way, dropped him to 0-4 all-time against Georgia. Remember, he also played for Auburn. Oregon, though, hasn't lost a game since then. They're now 6-1. They're ranked number 8 in the country in the AP poll. I've got them number 10 in the Pete poll. They could still find themselves in the playoff conversation if they run the table. But what if the Ducks and Bulldogs meet again? So CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd asked him about that, and here's what Bo said, quote, If we played them again tomorrow, the game would be completely different, and everybody knows that, end quote. Dennis Dodd said, Do you believe Oregon would beat Georgia today? Quote, I do. From the first game of the season, a lot of teams get so much better, end quote. For God's sake, someone get a cold compress for Bo's forehead. He's obviously feverish. Bo Nix is the Sam Ellinger of Auburn slash Oregon. The poor man is delusional. But, hey, somebody will probably draft him, and someone will probably make him a starting quarterback, and they'll see what the Colts are going to see the rest of this year, that he sucks. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. He's, he's a good kid. He's just, he's just not NFL material, and he's not really top-level playing against real SEC team level either, as he's proven in the past, but whatever. He's a senior now. Things are different. Well, last we saw the Tennessee goalposts after the Bama win. They were slowly sinking into the Tennessee River. It turns out goalposts don't swim. Neyland Stadium uh, goalposts remain in the river, and Google Maps is there to prove it. Uh, searching for Neyland Stadium goalposts will direct the GPS to the river directly next to Leland Drive across the street from the stadium. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Auburn head coach, interim head coach Brian Harson says he loves Halloween and was a very productive kid at it. He had a secret. He didn't bring a sack for trick-or-treating. Brian Harson brought the whole pillowcase. Harson says he would scope out which houses were handing out the full-size candy bars because he didn't want to waste his time on the piddling candy corn or sweet tarts. Brian says he wouldn't come home until the pillowcase was full. Sounds like he went around extorting candy from people. I bet he probably beat other kids and took their candy. I bet if Harson went around Auburn Monday night with his pillowcase, I know what he'd receive. To quote the great Charlie Brown, I got a rock. End quote. 
Auburn is aiming to snap a three-game losing streak. Their last victory came in overtime against Missouri, September 24th. Does that really count as a victory? Since then, Auburn has dropped games against LSU, Georgia, and Ole Miss. All pretty good teams, so I can understand that. Auburn leads the all-time series with Arkansas 19-11-1 and is on a six-game winning streak against Arkansas. I think that comes to an end. I think Arkansas is getting better as the season goes on. Meanwhile, Cormani McLean, one of the nation's most sought-after players in the class of 23, has decided to play in the ACC instead of the SEC. Oh, get him a cold compress. The five-star Lakeland, Florida cornerback committed to the Hurricanes on Thursday over Bama and Florida. He's six foot two, 165 pounds. Uh, rated the nation's number one cornerback and number two overall prospect, uh, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. But the 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball projected 100% odds that he'd go to Florida. So, take it with a grain of salt. Meanwhile, New Orleans high school star quarterback Arch Manning will forego his senior season of basketball and smart move and instead enroll at Texas early early as in January of 2023. That's just, uh, what, three months away? Two months. The Quinn Ewers time clock begins in Austin. (laughs) Poor Quinn Ewers. Uh, NFL news. Remember last week when the Bengals star receiver Jamar Chase was limping around before the half, and I thought it was his hamstring? Well, he came back out and played the second half, and since he's home win over the Falcons, that might have been a mistake. Uh, the birds may have injured him, and he may have injured himself more by playing in the second half. He's out for at least a month, maybe six weeks, with a hip problem of some sort. And you could tell right before the half last year, he got up very gingerly, and I could have sworn it was a hammy, but that's what they're saying. It's not. You know, this cider's pretty good. I'll just keep drinking it. Uh, it's, it's rained once here in Atlanta in two months, so it's kind of dry right now. But the leaves, the leaves in like two days... Went from green to just gorgeous. Anyway, uh, now about this grass problem in more ways than one. When asked whether he has a preference for playing on a turf field or a natural grass field, Rams receiver Cooper Cup did not hesitate. It's not even close. I know there's stuff going around the league right now. There's some issues. Hands down, we should be playing on grass, and that's all I'm going to say. This all came up because uh, the Seahawks receiver D.K. Metcalf and Chargers cornerback J.C. Jackson each left Sunday's game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. with knee injuries, both on non-contact plays. SoFi, where both the Rams and Chargers play, has artificial turf. 14 of the NFL's 30 stadiums use an artificial surface. Cup was then asked if the turf at SoFi was any different, and he quickly replied, we should be on grass. Ironically, that's the same answer you get from every question asked of Tommy Chong and Snoop Dogg. So, Tom Brady has another record. With his 555th sacking last night in Tampa Bay, he passed former Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger as the most sacked signal caller in NFL history. And i got to say this. He's through. And he's not just through individually. I think he's through because that team sucks, and he knows that team sucks. He's probably thinking, I should have taken this year off and maybe try and come back next year. I, I know that's what he's saying. It's got to be what he's thinking right now because he's not mentally and physically there. Did you see his throws, overthrowing, underthrowing, mostly overthrowing to guys in the end zone, wide open guys. His, his ball doesn't have the zip on it it used to. It doesn't travel as true. It just doesn't look like him. He, when he starts to scramble, it's, oh, my God, you're like, oh, God, run, granddad, run. It, it's horrible to see. And I think 
I, he'll finish out the season. Uh, he may be in the Fox booth for the Super Bowl. That's another rumor. But I think he, he's man enough to finish out the season. He started this. But you know right now he's regretting that decision. But here's what could happen. He may be through this year, but here's what could happen. Here's my scenario. that They struggled to get to the end of the year. They might win the division because as they were talking on ESPN Get Up this morning, those guys all hate the Falcons. None of them said, well, the Falcons could beat them. No, the few people that said anyone could beat them, they picked the Panthers. The Panthers. Now, if the Panthers beat the Falcons this weekend, yeah, I don't think so. If the Falcons lose to the Panthers, that's not a good thing. Quit beeping your horn or I will shoot out the window. Anyway, sorry, that's an aside to the audience here. Uh, Tom Brady may decide to you know, stumble through this, maybe even get to the postseason by winning this sorry division and then losing the first round. Okay, and everybody say, well, it's time to retire, Tom, time to retire. And he'll sit down and think about it and go, I'll give you an answer in a little while. And then he'll get past this divorce thing. The divorce might get finalized in the offseason. They get this kid situated. Things settle down in the old private life. And the reason they said Tom came back, you know, this time was he thought he had to prove to himself he no longer had it, that there were no more Super Bowls in him, and he had to prove that to him. Well, physically, he's proving it, and I think mentally he's checked out this year. And I think if he has an offseason and everything settles down in the private life, divorce finalized and all that, he might sit there and think, you know what? I can give 100% concentration on football again, which I couldn't do this season, I'm going to come back for one more year. And you know Tampa Bay will, will beg him to come back. What, what else are they going to do? And that's another thing. Todd Bowles may be another uh, Peter Principal right in front of us. Great coordinator. Not a very, he looks like a deer in the headlights on the sidelines. And that, that just may be his resting, I don't know what's going on face. But he's got a resting, I don't know what's going on face. And that's just me. Maybe he's a great head coach and under different circumstances, but this is, excuse me, drop a second. Um, under this circumstance and the previous one, he's not cutting it. And that's just my opinion. All right, speaking of bows, we talked about Bo Nix. An SEC legend says football is not for his grandson. Bo Jackson told sports seriously, my grandson ain't playing no football. No, sir, he ain't playing football. When pressed on the matter, Jackson had a blunt response as to why he doesn't play football. He doesn't have to. He was asked which of his sports has a brighter future and believes, despite what popularity and TV ratings suggest, it's baseball that has better days ahead. Now, we'll have more of this coming up in Pete's tweets because Dusty Baker made some comments at the press conference yesterday that stirred up another racial thing. Uh, of course, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe the reporter did it because that's what they do the enemy of the people, the media, uh, basically making the, the whole situation. This is the first World Series maybe, gosh, in decades. There are no American-born African-Americans. Well, that's redundant. African-Americans playing in this World Series. If they're black, they're from probably the Caribbean or Central or South America, but not American-born. They may have become American at some point, citizenship-wise, but they weren't born here. So, of course, that's being made a big deal. Um We'll get to that a little bit later. but Bo, And I've said this is all cyclical. There's reasons for it, 
and it may not just be white people oppressing people, but we'll, we're going to get to that a little bit when we talk about what Dusty said. But anyway, Bo Jackson kind of agrees with me that uh, baseball's popularity could return, especially for the reasons uh, Jackson won't let his grandson play football, the concussion and the injury thing coming on. We'll see that in a second. Uh, he goes, uh, both baseball and football have grown exponentially, but I would say baseball is going to have the better future because of the salaries and all the rights. It has to be baseball. He said he wouldn't change a thing in what he did playing both sports. Uh, but uh, he says his grandson is either going to play baseball or golf. He's going to be Aaron Judge number two, and he's supposed to be a big kid. <laughs> so anyway, he's just a little boy. He's just a few months old. NBA news, the 3-1 and Hawks visit Detroit tonight to take on the Pistons. Uh, and soccer news, boy, if, if I can't think of another franchise that has managed to go to the lofty heights of winning a title and then turn around and try and chase away every fan they have than Atlanta United. Um, Joseph, Joseph Martinez, the face of this franchise, not the coaches, not since the first one, the face of this franchise is Martinez. Almost has 100 goals for this team. He's been injured the last couple of years, but still, he's the guy everybody loves. I mean, if you, just a casual fan, you go, who plays for Atlanta United? The only guy they can tell since the Guzon retired or left is Martinez. He's the face of the franchise. Well, it looks like Atlanta United is throwing him out the door. The Five Stripes legend has been told by the club, allegedly, that they're moving on and he will not return for 2023. Hmm. He arrived in Atlanta ahead of their inaugural 2017 season, earned elite status as the club's all-time leading scorer, 98 goals in just 134 matches in the regular season. Uh, they were a powerhouse during the early days in MLS. They won the 2018 Cup title, the 2019 U.S. Open Cup, and the 2019 Campeones Cup. His impact was transcending the playing field. He was the face of the club, an iconic figure in the city of Atlanta. It was heady times three years ago, but it all began to unravel in 2020. An ACL tear caused him to miss almost the entire season. During the 22 campaign, he was involved in several reported confrontations with the head coach Gonzalo Pineda, including allegedly flipping over a catering table after a loss in Portland last month. Uh, supposedly it earned him a one-game suspension. Uh, the coach stating it was the latest of multiple cases of situations of bad behavior by the Venezuelan Martinez. Mister, if I got to choose between the two, you're out of here, Pineda. I'm keeping Joseph Martinez. Uh, if he's flipping tables, it's because you're probably a bad coach. I'm sorry. What did you do this year? Oh, you sucked. I mean, this, this was the model franchise just two short years ago. And they've sunk down where they didn't even make the postseason this year. And this guy, this Johnny-come-lately wandering in here, is blaming the best player of all time? Are you kidding me? Now, Martinez may be washed up. He may be physically and mentally out, just through, over. Okay, he's not the young man he once was. But he's not old either. He should be in his prime, frankly. I don't know. what prime. When are you getting your prime in soccer? Probably around 26, I think. Uh, anyway. I don't know that much about it. What I do know is when he was in his prime and they were winning, it was fun to watch. Now, I got to tell you, uh, the, the Red Hot fans still love it. They still go there and wave. But you can look on television, you can see there's not as many fans as there used to be. They're still rabid, but there's not as many fans. There's no 70,000 in there this, these days when they were playing. It's the offseason right now. 
used to hear people talk about all the time. You used to see people wearing uh, Atlanta United gear around town all the time. I can't remember the last time I saw anyone. I, probably me when I put on my winter cap last year that says AU on it. That's probably it. I mean, no one's talking about them anymore. They're, and they used to be, you know, right after the Braves, that was the number one thing people were talking about. Not anymore. Anyway, that's my opinion. Welcome yours. On this day, October 28th, uh, 1900, the second summer modern Olympic Games in Paris, France ended after five months. Can you imagine those things dragging on for five months on your TV every night? No opening or closing ceremonies conducted. 1959, the AFL, American Football League, awards the Buffalo Bills a franchise to Ralph Wilson. Uh, 1962, Joe Weatherly in a Pontiac finishes second to Rex White in the season-ending Dixie 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway to clinch his first of two straight NASCAR championships. 1962, the New York Giant quarterback Y.A. Tittle Passed for seven touchdowns against the Redskins. Uh, they won 49-34. to 34. And in 1978, Bobby Orr scored his last goal in the NHL. He was playing against the Red Wings. Now, he wasn't with the Bruins then. I think he ended his career with the Blackhawks. Maybe he went back to the Bruins at the end. I don't know. I know he left at one point. Uh, birthdays. 1860. Kano Jigoro. Japanese educator and the founder of judo, was born in Makaji, Japan. He died in 1938. Huh. Now, 1881, Bruno Soderstrom, a Swedish athlete, won uh, Olympic silvers in the pole vault, the, the javelin, uh, born in Stockholm, died in 1969. But Bruno Soderstrom is mostly remembered these days as bringing bowling to Sweden. They never had bowling until Bruno showed up with his ball. 1934, Jim Beatty, uh, first man to break a four-minute mile barrier on an indoor track in 1962. Uh, three minutes, 58 seconds, 58.9. Born in New York City, Jim Beatty, American. Well, American as far as you can be, being born in New York City. Let's see, what else we got here? October 28, 1937, point guard and head coach of the Supersonics of Seattle, Lenny Wilkins, born in Brooklyn. And of course, he was also the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. And I think while he was with the Hawks, he passed Red Auerbach as the most winningest coach of all time. I believe I remember they pulled out cigars and all kinds of stuff. Uh, 1954, Sammy Stewart, a pitcher, was in the World Series in 83. The American League ERA leader in 81 for the Indians. Born in Asheville, North Carolina. Died in 2018. Let's see, 83 was when the Cardinals beat the Brewers, I believe, in the World Series. Anyway, 1972, uh, Terrell Davis, no relation, Pro Football Hall of Fame running back, won Super Bowls with the Broncos, one of them over the Falcons because I was there, uh, all pro, born in San Diego. I didn't know that. Also played at Georgia. 1974, Braden Looper, pitcher, won Olympic bronze for the American team in Atlanta of 1996 in old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, born in Weatherford, Oklahoma. In 1974, former Falcons linebacker Henri Crockett. And in 1983, former Georgia Tech player Jarrett Jack. Basketball. Jarrett Jack. Also was in the NBA for a while. I think he had a brief cup of tea with the, the Hawks, didn't he? Hmm. Hmm. Staff? Staff? No. Nobody has the answer. Dead people. This close to Halloween. October 28th, 1957, we lost Anthony J. Morbito. He was a co-owner of the 49ers. Anthony died while watching a game. 
He went, he went to doing what he loved, gasping for air. No. 1975, Georges Carpentier, a French boxer. That's an oxymoron, French boxer. Uh, to me, a French boxer is if you cross a boxer and a poodle. Uh, he was world light heavyweight champion and had the first $1 million gate with Jack Dempsey. Died of a heart attack at 81. In 2000, Andujar Cedeno, Dominican uh, player for the Astros and Tigers, died in a car accident. He was just 31. Uh, Basketball Hall of Fame coach and GM of the Celtics, nine-time NBA champion, Red Auerbach, died of a heart attack at age 89. I get to tell my Red Auerbach story. We've mentioned him twice today. I once, uh, someone gave me a list from ABC Sports of all these people's personal phone numbers. This is pre-internet, okay? So I got this list from somebody at ABC Sports. They sent it to me. And we're talking everybody's phone numbers on there. So one day, I wanted to talk to Red Auerbach. So I picked up the phone. This is, gosh, I'm trying to think. Ah, this has got to be ooh, late 90s. Pick up the phone. Get it. And he picks up the phone. Hello. He said, Mr. Arbach. Yeah, what do you want? He said, my name is Pete Davis. I work for WGST in Atlanta. And I was wondering if you had a few minutes. No. Click. And he hung up on me. Didn't just hang up on me. He slammed the phone down because he missed it a few times. Bam, ba bam ba bam ba bam Dial tone. And I remember I looked at the phone, because it wasn't a cell phone back then. I looked at the phone, and I smiled and said, I just got hung up on by Red Auerbach. It was, it was one of my greatest days in sports radio. Uh, on this day, also, Jamaican boxer, heavyweight champion in 86. Uh, oh, my God. I, uh, Trevor Burbick is his name. I forgot to write his name down. He died from blows to the head. His nephew beat him to death. He was 52. Taking all those blows in the ring, it was his nephew who killed him. 2021, last year, we lost Dick Samansky, football center, pro bowler in the 50s and 60s for the old Baltimore Colts. He was also the GM of the Colts from 77 to 82. He died at the age of 89. 89. That's a long, long life. All right, it's time for a little few Pete's tweets, and we'll get to the Dusty Baker thing. But first... We'll have a little fun with Tom Brady here. This is sad and funny at the same time. See, uh, I don't know who sent this. Barry. Barry sent this. And it's a meme of a cat. And it's a sad cat because it looks like the little kitty cat is crying. And that's sad. But it looks like also that the cat is playing a video game. He's got the controller in his little paws. And the meme says, Tom Brady's kids playing Madden 23 just to spend time with their dad. And if you saw the cat's face, it would you'd laugh. Oh, let's talk about those Lakers. They're 0-4. Uh, uh, they're shooting 22% from the three-point percentage. They're 33 of 148 so far. That's the worst percentage over any four-game span in NBA history. <laughs> Watching the Lakers fade away and LeBron be absolutely non-existent in the NBA when it comes to winning just makes me laugh all right what else we got here hmm okay no that's not it that's something else sorry that's uh monday when i do the halloween show we're gonna sprinkle some halloween stuff in too uh codify said yesterday that brock holt remember him has retired 
Played every position but catcher during his time in the big leagues, but he did pitch at one point. He threw a 34-mile-per-hour EFIS pitch and a 77-mile-per-hour fastball. doesn't say he was pitching against the A's. It doesn't, I can't tell who he was playing for at the time in the photo there. Uh, Paul Feinbaum says, with so much talk about the longevity of the rivalry game in Jacksonville between Georgia and Florida, Steve Spurrier let us know this isn't the first time it's been discussed. Uh, Steve Spurrier says, it's a, basically the game in Jacksonville against Georgia is a home game for the Gators. That's what they consider it. That's what I've been saying my entire life. It's a home game for the Gators. It's not neutral, even though they split the, the tickets. Mike Griffith, 32, says it's more like a home game for us. Spurrier shooting straight like always. And absolutely. Eric Boland tweets that Astros closer Ryan Presley said Aaron Judge getting booed at home in the ALCS was a bullpen topic during those games. I don't understand why you would boo a guy that has given you nothing but joy, especially this year. I was pretty surprised to hear him get booed out there. I don't know. He's not so surprising if he leaves again. Okay, Sports Illustrated pointed out that this year's World Series will be the first since 1950 to feature no American-born black players. So Dusty Baker, always one willing to talk about race, it looks bad. It lets people know that it didn't take a year or even a decade to get to this point, but there is help on the way. There is. Baseball's put a lot of money into basically building playing fields and inner cities and stuff like that, and that's a good thing. Uh, The more people play baseball, the better baseball will be. Uh, The more people have a chance, but that's the thing with me. If they should have the opportunity in the inner cities, all kids, black, Hispanic, white, whoever, Asian, whoever's living down there, should have the ability to play the sports. If you're a boy, play with the boys. If you're a girl, play with the girls, unless you're really young, and then you can do both. But um, there's a choice being made here. Let everybody have the opportunity to make a choice. Because the choice right now for most black teenagers and and boys if you put a basketball a football and a baseball down in front of them they're going to choose the basketball and the football first that's the way it is now in our society they think there's more money to that there's more prestige in that there's more notoriety and fame in that I mean let's face it LeBron James is more famous than any baseball player uh Shohei Otani maybe worldwide but LeBron worldwide let's face it the the football and the uh, basketball players are, I don't know if getting more money, but they're definitely getting more fame and more of the chicks and more of the rap stars saying, come sing on my, you know, my next song or something or hang out with me. You know, it's right now, it's the cycle has, in the inner cities, basketball and football. Baseball fields kind of faded away. All Basically, football and baseball cost a lot of money to do. Basketball, just put two baskets up and give them a basketball and kids can play all day long with that but baseball and football needs a little more you can play stickball but that's not real baseball my point being that right now given a choice when they have a choice they're choosing basketball and football over baseball that it's not the way it was Uh, at one point when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier and stuff like that baseball was king king Uh, it eclipsed football and basketball together at that point but not anymore. The late 50s, early 60s, and television changed all that. And we became, I think, a more violent country, and we like more violent sports. And football is a great TV sport. Baseball, not so much, unless you're a huge baseball fan like me. Baseball is a, a game to go to. But anyway, kind of like hockey. So we got 
cyclical thing we're right now now some of it is the fact there's not a lot of baseball playing fields in the inner cities i understand that and that's what they're trying to change by putting more money into that and that's great give everybody the opportunity to choose but like we just said with bo jackson he thinks it's cyclical too he knows right now basketball and football are number one and number two probably not even in that order but he himself says that baseball will probably grow in popularity again because more people like him are going to say my sons and grandsons are not going to play this game that has them putting shotguns to their chest at age 39 and blowing the or blowing their head off with a gun in a car somewhere and and i know i i knew an atlanta falcon that uh died early from this stuff, the CT and all that stuff. And he was a great guy, very smart, brilliant man. He's not with us anymore because of this stuff. And a lot of people are looking at, especially the moms. But now you've got a, a dad and a granddad and Bo Jackson, a man who played the games. And he's saying baseball will come back. And it's probably because the parents won't let them play anymore. Or they're going to have to completely change how they play football, which will it hold its popularity. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think that black kids don't play baseball in this country is because white people are holding them down. I don't think there's some uh, great conspiracy for Major League Baseball or even the, the white populace to hold anybody down from playing baseball. And this is coming from a guy. I was, when I was a kid, my favorite player was Willie Mays, uh, even more than Hank Aaron. It wasn't until we moved here in Atlanta and I became to appreciate Hank that I started liking Hank more. But my favorite player uh, as a kid in, was Willie so I don't, I don't care who plays the game as long as they're great and it's fun to watch. I'm just tired of it being made a racial issue like there's some kind of oppression going on. I just, if that's happening somewhere, please pull out your phone and record it. If someone says, we're not going to let you play baseball here because you're not the right color, this is not 1964. I just don't see that happening anywhere. And if it does, pull your phone out and record them doing it to you. It's same in the voting thing. If there's somebody being told they can't vote because of the color of their skin, pull out your phone and you will be a celebrity on MSNBC and CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post. Within three hours, you will be on every major network in this country who are just salivating looking for that. Of course, the Jim Crow 2.0 laws have increased voting here in Georgia by record numbers, but you're never going to hear that from the same people who called us all racist. But anyway, how about a, a, a Rob Manford, an apology, Rob Manford, for pulling the All-Star game out of here because you basically called us a bunch of racists for passing the voting rights ID, uh, the voting I, voter ID law. And uh, turns out you were 100% wrong. It's actually increased voting, including minority voting, including African-American voting. It's more people than ever have voted early so far. Uh, so it pretty much disproves that theory. But no, you're not going to get an apology from Rob Manford. Talk about racist. Anyway, that's my opinion. Welcome yours. And, uh, and I, I gave you my prediction. I think the, the, this will go six or seven games, the World Series. I think uh, the Astros should win it. But never underestimate Dusty Baker's ability to fuck up a World Series. That's just my opinion. We welcome yours. I think he's been a really good manager most of his career. I don't think he's a great manager because he can't seem to get his teams over the hump. If he manages to do it this year, then I think he becomes in the realm of a great manager. But to me, great managers don't just win a lot of games. Gene Mock was not a great manager. He managed for team after team after team, never really got him anywhere. But he won a lot of games. Doesn't make you great. Uh, Fox's Tim Brando. Has his top 10 so far in college football. Number one, he has Ohio State, just like I do. 
then Georgia, just like I do. Then he has Tennessee and Michigan, number four. Uh, number five, TCU, then Clemson, Oregon, Bama, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest rounds out the top ten. Just out of this list is Southern Cal, Penn State, UCLA, Illinois. You really put Illinois ahead of Ole Miss? Uh, Cincinnati, Tulane, and LSU. Uh, Tim, 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 I know that Ole Miss just got their ass handed to them in Baton Rouge, but Tulane, anyway. Keep an eye on Tulane. That coach could be your next Georgia Tech coach. I'm just saying. I don't know if you saw the thing last night. Obviously, I wasn't the only one. Uh, it was a Southern Miss, Louisiana, Raging Cajuns game, and uh, the Golden Eagle, whatever they call themselves now down there in Hattiesburg, caught a pass, went on 70-something yard run, and four of the uh, Raging Cajun defenders lined up behind him like a chorus line chasing him. Scott Van Pelt noticed it last night on his show, and he said it was like watching one of those video games where when somebody's you know, the defense is chasing somebody. They all chase in a line. <laughs> I forget which one he was telling us about. Oh, let's see what else we got sports-wise. Well, I got a lot of stupid stuff here that I shouldn't have done. Most consecutive starts without a three-game losing streak in the NFL. Joe Montana had 155. Tom Brady, 302. It's his first three-game losing streak. Somebody pointed out last night, this is the first time he's been this far under – 500 in his entire career? Is that true? Amazing. All right, that's it for Pete's tweets. Okay, I am really tired of that phone. That phone is really getting on my nerves. But anyway, I'll move something over there. We need to, oh God, I'm really about to start throwing stuff here. I got too much crap up here on this uh, counter. And every time I set something down, something else falls. Uh, this day in baseball history, October 28th, 19th. 1890, the World Championship Baseball Series in Washington Park, New York. The Louisville Colonels beat the Brooklyn Bridegrooms 6-2 in Game 7 to tie the series 3-3-1. The deciding game was never played. 1924, the White Sox beat the New York Giants 8-4 and Dublin, Ireland. Less than 20 people were there. So maybe we're oppressing the Irish. And that's why they don't like baseball because we're keeping them from playing. 1948, on Lou Boudreau Day, held in his honor by the citizens of his hometown, Harvey, Illinois. The Indian skipper tells the audience that his team was lucky to win the recent World Series over the Boston Braves. The Cleveland player manager says his infielders drove in more than 400 runs, and the lack of injuries to key players were reasons why his third-place club excelled that season. <laughs> okay, talk about shooting straight. 1953, Red Barber resigned as the Brooklyn Dodger broadcaster, takes on the catbird seat with the rival New York Yankees. The old redhead left the team because he was upset with Brooklyn owner Walter O'Malley's refusal to support him when he failed to get a higher fee from Gillette, the sponsor of the 1953 World Series on TV. 1958, on Candlestick Point, where the rocks resembled candlesticks, Construction begins in the Giants' new ballpark in San Francisco, South San Francisco, really. The transplanted team will play their games at Seal Stadium to the new park on the eastern shore of the San Francisco Bay is ready. And what a shithole it was. 1989, uh, Baseball World Series. The Oakland A's beat San Francisco 9-6 at the aforementioned candlestick hole. Uh, to sweep the Giants in the earthquake-affected Bay Bridge Series. Dave Stewart, the A's pitcher, was the MVP. 1995, Game 6 in Atlanta. I was there in the right center field bleachers with Tissy. Uh, Tom Glavin and Mark Wallers combined on a one-hitter to beat the Indians 1-0, giving the Braves their third world championship and the first since moving to Atlanta. David Justice's leadoff homer in the sixth inning off Jim Poole 
proves to be the difference. That's a good trivia question. Who did he hit the home off of? Jim Poole, who I think was a lefty, too. Anyway, 2002, the Marlins do not renew the contract of John Routh, the 43-year-old man who had been Billy the Marlin, the mascot, since their first game in 93. Billy will return the next season, but they hire a new person to wear the 35-pound costume. Hmm. 2007, with a 43 win over the Rockies at Coors Field, the Red Sox, for the second time in four years, complete a four-game sweep to win the series. Terry Francona became the first manager to win his first eight games of the Fall Classic. And Terry's coming back next year for the Guardians. 2011 uh, World Series. St. Louis beat the Rangers 6-2 in Game 7 at Bush Stadium to win the Cardinals' 11th title. The MVP was third baseman David Fries, who had one of the greatest games of all time. And he was like a St. Louis native, I think, where the Rangers were one, out, one strike away, I believe, from winning a World Series. And Freeze hit a ball over Nelson. Was it Nelson Cruz in right field? Anyway, should have had a defensive replacement out there at that point. Hit it over Nelson Cruz's head. Uh, a, a better outfielder might have gotten to it. It bounced off the wall and went way past him. So Freeze got a triple and brought in the tying runs. And then later in the, either the 10th or the 11th inning, Freeze came up and hit the uh, game-winning homer. That's, I, at that point, you just do a Costanza and you just walk off and say, that's it. I'm out of here, everybody. Thank you. 2012, uh, San Francisco beat Detroit 4-3 in 10 innings in Game 4 at Comerica Park and swept the Tigers 4-0 for the Giants' second title in three years. The MVP was the Panda, Pablo Sandoval. Yay, Panda. By the way, that's another reason why the World Series and baseball has been going down recently. Uh, all these sweeps in the World Series, they're not good for baseball. Uh, 2018 World Series, the Red Sox beat the Dodgers 5-1 in Game 5 at Dodger Stadium to win the ninth title in franchise history. See, that one only went five games. Boston utility man Steve Pierce was the MVP of that. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, on this day, National Pastime, and MLSsoccer.com for helping out with the lovely show we have today. Let's see uh, what else we got here. Twitter-wise, everybody have a good uh, holiday weekend. And uh, By the way, don't forget... When you're out driving around, now some people might do trick-or-treating tomorrow night. So be careful if you're out driving around dusk for the kids will be out probably tomorrow night and on Monday night. Let's see. I'm not seeing a lot of stuff sports-wise jumping out here as usual. Hmm. <clears throat> oh, let's see. Oh, my God. Tom's Old Days has a photo of New York Giants quarterback Y.A. Tittle trying to stay warm as he watches a game in the early 1960s at Yankee Stadium. He used to play at Yankee Stadium. The New York Giants are huddled around a, a metal garbage can that they're burning stuff in. That's how they kept warm. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? That seems to be it. Let's go over to... Uh, what have we got here? More talk about Deion Sanders. Uh, leaving Jackson State to go somewhere else. Interesting. All right, ESPN headlines here. We'll let you go. Boy, do they hate the Falcons. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wilson, Russell Wilson says he will start against the Jaguars. We'll see about that. Uh, that seems to be it. All right, everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, Kimmer Show coming up later today. If you want a T-shirt, farmhouseprintingco.com. That's the place to go. And I will see you Monday for our special Halloween sports show. 
And we'll do sports, but I'll throw a little Halloween stuff in there, too. Uh, drink up, Shriners. Hotty toddy. Even though I've got this bad feeling that they're going to lay an egg at Texas A&M this weekend. i got a bad feeling, I tell you. But hotty toddy.